0: Hello, once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, December 17th edition of ATS Radio. I'm host Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional, better, and handicapper Brad Powers from BradPowersSports.com. We'll talk college football here for week 16, including all of the conference championship games, and take a look at week 15 in the NFL. Over at ATS.io, lots of great stuff going on right now, lots of content for across college basketball, college football, and the NFL. NBA starting here on Tuesday, I'll be bringing back an article I used to do over at bangthebook.com taking a look at NBA situational spots, not a ton of them here this week or in the first week of the season, obviously, but as we go forward here, a lot of stuff about back-to-backs, bad travel spots, look-aheads, letdowns, all those kinds of things in the NBA, possibly looking ahead to some games where players may rest, you know, just to get a little bit of a blow in a back-to-back, something like that. So it'll give you kind of a blueprint for the week ahead in the NBA. I'll post that for the first week here over the weekend and do that every week over at ATS.io. And when the NHL season rolls around in hopefully January, I'll do one of the situational articles for the NHL as well. Speaking of articles, you've got full article integration in the ATS app, which you can download in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store. Or you can get links to the direct spots in those two stores over at ATS.io. It's a bet tracker. It's an odd screen. Once again, as I said, you can read all of the content from the website right there in the app. Also, premium model selection subscriptions, 10 bucks a week, 20 bucks a month. You can get those over in the ATS app. Make sure you download that. And if you search for it in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, search against the spread, you'll probably have better results going that route. Lastly, plenty of sportsbook promotions talked about over at ATS.io this week. A good one tonight from BetMGM Sportsbook for Chargers versus Raiders. New users can sign up over at BetMGM Sportsbook, bet $1 on the money line of the game, get $100 in free bets when the first touchdown is scored in Chargers versus Raiders. And with a total in the mid-50s there, we should see points in that one. So head on over to BetMGM Sportsbook. Use that bet $1, win $100 in free bets promotion if you sign up as a new user. With that, we bring on today's first and only guest. That is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowerssports.com. Brad, how's it going today, man? That's going well. How you doing? Doing very well, buddy. Appreciate your time as always here, sir. And uh, quick note at the top of the show, we are having some technical issues here. I'm not sure if it's my internet or Brad's or something like that but we won't have any feature videos here for today's show. And if you hear one of us talking for an extended period of time, probably due to one of those technical issues that we've been having. And uh, I guess it's probably not a big surprise with that, with all the kids doing the, you know, Zoom classes from home and, and all that kind of thing. But uh, Brad, I guess one thing to talk about here at the top of today's show is that, you know, usually we're talking about just bowl games here this weekend But we've got some regular season finales for some of these teams. The only bowl game we were supposed to have was the Frisco Bowl. That got canceled. SMU not able to play in that one. But uh, a strange weekend here for conference championship games with those random one-off regular season contests.
1: Yeah, unlike anything we've really ever seen uh, before. Uh, And uh, honestly, I mean, to pre-flop and to kind of handicap who's going to be motivated and who isn't, I think it's a really tough sell even for me. So, I mean, obviously I, I bet some numbers early in the week, didn't go all crazy about it, but I mean, it's, I, I think it's a, I, I, we say this every single week, but probably a, a live betting opportunity more than anything. I think it'll show. I mean, if a, a team like Nebraska or somebody just you know wants to wave the white flag on the season, uh, I think it'll be quite evident early on in, in, in a lot of these games.
0: Yeah. It's definitely a good point to make there. And, and something else I want to ask you about real quickly, You know, we talk about power ratings a lot on the show here, and I noticed that after last weekend's games, I started making some adjustments kind of with 2021 in mind, because like you, I use the 2020 end of season set of power ratings as kind of a guide to sort of start me off into 2021 with how weird this season has been. Is that still sort of your approach? And are you starting to kind of position some of these teams for next season?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that I I know a lot of people say you got to start completely from scratch. I don't, you know, fall in, into that line of thinking. I always start with my end of season power rating, and then you know do up downs on every single position uh, from that point forward. But yeah, I've I've started to take uh, an early peek ahead to next season. You know, seeing you know who's finishing strong this year that that looks like they're setting it to make a run for for next year. Uh, That that started to come into my thought processes here uh, in the last week. Well, and of course, yesterday,
0: you know, a lot of programs signing their classes. So I know that that's something that you take a a very close look at as well as recruiting, incoming talent, all those kinds of things. And of course, you know, this year with a good number of states not even playing high school football, you know, incoming freshmen, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, which ones actually have an impact. Will we see a lot of red shirting? And also something too, I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if you have a subscription to the athletic or not, uh, but Ari Wasserman did a phenomenal piece kind of talking to some anonymous recruiting directors, people that are out there, you know, trying to secure commits in the upcoming class guys that are kind of going the Juco route, all that kind of thing. Really good article getting some sound bites or actually not sound bites, but you know, some quotes from these anonymous sources talking about, you know, the recruiting process and all of that. And You know, one of the things that was kind of a common theme throughout that was a lot of these incoming freshmen weren't able to make their on-campus visits, so they didn't get to see the facilities. They didn't get to really do anything other than talk virtually, you know, with the assistant coaches, position coaches, maybe the head coach if he had to close the deal, something like that, so I thought that was pretty interesting, and that'll be kind of a storyline to follow as we go forward here for next season of... You know these freshmen who could actually have an impact, who will want to transfer out, all that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, a transfer portal is going to be something uh, a sight to see. Let's just put it that way. I'd say what a third, maybe, of uh, kids so will probably end up transferring. Uh, I, I think that's probably maybe even uh, uh, I would say even conservative. Uh, it will the, this class and next the next recruiting class just not being able to take those in person visits. And, you know, I'm not blaming the kids. I mean, uh, obviously meeting somebody and getting a feel for it in person is a lot different than talking to somebody over the phone or over Skype or whatnot. So, yeah, I, and on top of it, I don't know what the, the NCAA is going to do with the scholarships. They originally said they weren't going to count anything towards this year. Everyone can technically come back next year. I It's it's going to be another very unique off season. I'm hoping at least, though, spring practices and spring games – go off uh relatively normal other (laughs) because if they don't then um, we could be in line for another you know interesting 2021 season even though we at that point the vaccine and we're not going to have you know games canceled like this year but uh, not having a typical another typical off season will be uh interesting to see how it shakes out for a lot of teams
0: no, absolutely. That's an excellent point. It was funny. Cause you know, the <laughs> the author asked, you know, well, do you think it's a problem that, you know, some of the recruits couldn't make on-campus visits and, and the one guy he talked to from the Mac goes, well, no, he couldn't see how shitty our facilities are. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just, it made me laugh. Like some of the guys were just very honest and upfront. Some of them kind of put their heads in the sand, really cool article. If you could go check that out over at I will. the athletic, I is, wrote it uh, down. it's definitely a, a very good thing to check out a cool piece. And, uh, you know, a nice little behind the curtain look uh, at, you know, kind of the recruiting process there in college football. But uh, speaking of college football, we were supposed to have a game tonight, Louisiana Monroe and Troy, that one got canceled. So our sights set on Friday where we've got three conference championship games going on the first UAB and Marshall. And we talked about this game on Wednesday's show with Kyle Hunter and both of us said, we like UAB. And if you like UAB, you better get your five and a half now. Cause it's probably not going to hang around and in fact, we're seeing four and a halves out there on the board now, total of 42 or 42 and a half for this conference USA title game in Huntington, West Virginia with Marshall, the home
1: team. Everyone's on UAB this week. Uh, you guys aren't the only ones. Uh, and obviously the market's reflecting that too. Uh, I'm not, I'm not that I'm really, I wish I could be really strong on Marshall and just say, you know, you know fade you guys and have a big bet, but I got to see how they they shake out as far as who's available. I mean, they only traveled with 42 scholarship players last week. And I know they they beat Rice, the same team that just got done beating Marshall. But I I just think that there's been a little bit of an overreaction in the marketplace to one really bad performance by the Thundering Herd, which was, you know, obviously because of turnovers, five interceptions by the quarterback. I know it's going to be a lower scoring game, tough to get margin there, but – uh, right now, I mean, I just haven't been overly wild with UAB all year. I mean, I loved them at the start of the season, and they've just disappointed me time and time again. So, my numbers say Marshall seven, and uh, I'll see how the, you know, who's available for UAB. I lean with the herd here, I'm against everybody else.
0: Yeah, this one, I've got Marshall minus five. So, I'm, I'm pretty much in line with where the market is now, really where the market's been, you know, since it opened for the most part. I just feel like for UAB, having Tyler Johnston back, that's something that should help them at the quarterback position even if he doesn't put up big numbers, he's probably not going to have the same turnover issues that they had with Lucero and some of the other guys who, who got some reps. Wells, like you said, a one-off performance there. The only thing is when you look at Marshall's entire body of work, they've been kind of a team teetering on the brink of regression throughout the entire season. They're ninth in third down percentage or third down conversion rate on offense, ninth in third down conversion rate defense. So I kind of wonder if that sort of levels off a little bit or if maybe we just missed the boat, not fading Marshall against rice a couple of weeks ago.
1: You know, I, I mean, I originally bet rice in that game, but then obviously rice, you know, and their quarterback was out their leading wide receiver was out and I, I bought some of that original position back, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you on that. I, I mean, I, I've been looking to, to, to fade Marshall and I think, you know, the following week, I thought they were overpriced in the market again against Charlotte, uh, where I bet Charlotte early in the week on a Circa opener. So, I mean, that, that's the surprising thing to me. All year, I've been a little slow uh, to catch up to, to the uh, to the Marshall numbers as far as the market, and then all of a sudden, now I'm all of a sudden higher than the market on Marshall. I, to me, that, that that might scream a little bit overreaction. So, that's one of the reasons why I lean Marshall, but I wish. I had a, a much better handicap where I could, you know, come over the top and say, you guys are dead wrong. Uh, and here's why Marshall's going to cover easily.
0: Well, it does look like if you want to get involved in this game, I wouldn't be shocked if this line does come down to four, especially with the agree very with low that. scoring expectations. So maybe you've got a buy point there on Marshall at four and, uh, you know, we'll kind of see where this game ends up falling, but uh, you know, two very good head coaches in this game as well. So, you know, we'll see which team is more prepared at the outset for that Conference USA title clash. How about a neutral site game here? Ball State, Buffalo in Detroit at Ford Field. Buffalo, 13 and a half seems to be the stopping point for this one. We saw some minus 14, even money kind of pop up a little bit on Wednesday. Those are pretty much gone. It's now 13 and a half, mostly market-wide. A few global books holding on 13 here with Buffalo, the clear-cut favorite, and a total of 67 and a half.
1: Yeah, I, I like Ball State. Uh, I did bet them at fourteen. Uh, I really need fourteen because I, you know, I worry about Buffalo's uh, run game, especially late in the second half. Uh, but I think Buffalo's being a little, you know, too overpriced for a bunch of blowout wins against who? I mean, they played in the weaker uh, of the two divisions, obviously in the MAC. And I get it that there's been one common opponent, and it's the only team that beat Ball State, Miami of Ohio, and it was a, a Miami of Ohio team that Buffalo beat forty two to ten. So. Uh, I I get why they're a significant favorite, but, man, 13-and-a-half in a conference championship game against a team that's very senior-laden in in Ball State, uh, I I, I do lean with the Cardinals here.
0: Yeah, I think what's really interesting about this game is, you know, I know Buffalo's put up some very impressive offensive numbers throughout the year, and and their running game seems virtually unstoppable, but this total would imply that Ball State has some offensive success here. I mean, this isn't going to be like a you know, 55 to 14 over type of game. At least I don't think so. This line implying that Ball State's going to have some success offensively, but everybody's betting it like Buffalo's easy money. It almost feels like there's a context clue here that maybe Ball State is the right side and they could lose by 30 and it's not overly surprising, especially because Buffalo can be that front-running team with that rushing attack that, you know, just salts the game away. But again, I just sort of look at the total relative to what's happening with the line. And, and something tells me that, you know, Ball State's going to be more competitive in this game than people think.
1: Yeah, and you're always looking for context clues, uh, you know, that normal people aren't taking that next step uh, in, in comparing the total. And I I just think – I know Buffalo played in a high-scoring game against Kent State, but I think that's just more a, a property of Kent State. I think a total in the upper 60s is much – more towards the type of game ball state wants to play compared to Buffalo. Buffalo is still kind of, I know they've been putting their number one in the nation and scoring 52 points per game, but, but I still think they're more of a team that, that would like to obviously ground and pound it. It's just that they're so effective and so good at it, you know, they, instead of uh, getting first downs they get touchdowns on the ground.
0: Unrelated. Speaking of Kent state is Sean Lewis, the guy that gets that Illinois job.
1: Is that what the word is? I haven't looked on that.
0: I thought I saw that in one of the global books, Sean Lewis was the favorite to uh, to get the Illinois job. I, I'd be a pretty decent know. hire. I think so. I mean, at least it's outside the box. You know, at least it's kind of creative. The other one I saw I thought was interesting was Army's Jeff Monken. I mean, you, you and I have talked uh-huh. about this a lot. I mean, if, if you're a middling to below average power five team, pull a Georgia Tech, run the option, try to win seven games a year and go to a
1: bowl game. I don't think it's a terrible idea for Illinois, to be totally honest with you. It's not, but, I mean, I man,
0: stellar, I, I don't yeah. know
1: if I go if I'm Jeff Monken is what. What, what oh, That man. was my reaction. I was like, yeah, I, I don't know if I leave Army for Illinois. Uh, that's just me personally. Uh, yeah, I'll say this, Sean Lewis. I, I like that name because th- they got firsthand a look at Sean Lewis. It was his first game as a head coach, and I remember that game specifically. They almost outright upset Illinois. Uh, and they just – they look like – I mean, he was 31 years old, first-time head coach, first game, and he looked like he had things together. And I know Kent State ended up not being a very good team that year, but uh, that would make some sense. I mean, it was a couple of years ago, and uh, I'll tell you, I was impressed immediately for, uh, just watching one game. All right, so let's get back
0: into the conference championship action here. We go to game 251-252, the late game on Friday night, although none of these games kicking off all that late. Oregon and USC, USC three-point favorite, total mostly up to 64 across the board here. And, you know, obviously a lot of strange circumstances with this game. USC thought they were playing Washington. Washington with COVID issues, they say on Sunday, we'll wait and see what happens on Monday. Then they find out that they're not going to be able to play, just wouldn't have enough warm bodies to be out there on the field. So Oregon slots in here now, instead of playing kind of a meaningless regular season game against Colorado, USC, the three-point favorite. This game played at Memorial Coliseum in L.A. What do you think about this one?
1: A number seems about right to me. I mean, I I think both teams are overrated. Obviously, SC's been lucky in three games so far this season. Very fortunate. their backers to get a cover last week. I mean, it was one of the bad beats of the year. Uh, Power rating-wise, says lean USC. Uh, I got it four. But just, you know, knowing college football, and following it over the years, I wouldn't be a bit surprised Oregon wins this game. USC's been so fortunate, and, you know, I'm a line of scrimmage type of guy, and USC's failed to top 100 yards in, in each of their last three games, and I think sooner or later that's going to catch up to them. So I would just have a slight lean Oregon, but to me, nothing more than a ham sandwich. Do you agree with the over money? Uh, it makes some sense, I guess. I mean, what we saw – I was waiting for that over money to show last week. It showed late in the week finally. I was wondering what the hangup was. Yeah, I mean, everyone that that bet the over last week won, so I I, I kind of get it, but I again nothing strong.
0: I, it's such an interesting thing because and we talked about this on yesterday's show. Oregon's defense was supposed to be pretty good. I mean, their secondary was supposed to be much, much better than it has been here so far this season. So
1: you wonder well, if Slovis out, turn able, them. Yeah, their true. top guys opted out.
0: Well, you wonder if Slovis is able to take advantage of that here. On the flip side, Oregon's got a coaching advantage I you know Mario Cristobal I I think we can kind of you know we can sort of poke holes in some of his in-game things and stuff like that maybe you kind of question his preparation because he is a guy that comes from more of a recruiting background than anything else but I think Cristobal honestly has done a pretty good job specifically in second halves with Oregon over the last couple of years the Civil War game this year accepted I don't think anybody really respects Clay Helton so maybe Oregon with a coaching advantage here with this unique you know kind of short prep window it,
1: maybe uh you know you only because it, only because it's Clay Helton on the other side uh I I'm not a big Mario Cristobal fan I mean he's a really good recruiter but other than that I just I haven't been wowed by Oregon x's and o's uh really in the last few years so uh, and, and maybe this year, what, what hurt them more than anything, they're a very inexperienced team. They're very young. And you had a, a COVID season where you didn't get a lot of practice time. So I'm, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt this year. But next year, we'll see what his coaching chops are, especially when they make – you want to talk about looking ahead to 2021. I think they make a trip uh, to your neck of the woods, Columbus, Ohio, next year.
0: Yeah, that will definitely be an interesting game there, especially, you know, hopefully early on in the season. gives us an idea of, you know, where those two teams kind of stand going into the next year especially with Ohio State having to replace Justin Fields I uh, you know that'll be a very interesting thing for the Buckeyes there so before we get to the Buckeyes in the Big Ten championship game like I said there are some kind of one-off regular season games here teams kind of playing out the finale some teams will show up some teams won't we'll just sort of group all of those games together here are there any that are on your radar that you feel like you've got a pretty good handle on as far as these regular season games in week 16?
1: Well, wow, not many. I mean, just a bunch of leans for me. I mean, we can run. Uh, yeah, I bet Florida State, but I'd lean Wake Forest at the current number. It's moved way too much, in my opinion. I you know, I wanted to bet Air Force. So I'm a little surprised that they are sitting at as a favorite, so that's almost unbettable, in my opinion. Uh, Wisconsin, I know I'm on an island here, but I got a feeling Wisconsin will, will finally show up and take it to Minnesota. So I do lean Wisconsin. Penn State, you and I talked this one before uh, the, the the show here. I, I I got a sneaky suspicion that Penn State can put one on Illinois. I don't think Illinois wants to play. Uh, Maryland's overrated in my opinion in the market, so I lean Michigan State. Utah I think is the right side in that game. The one that I probably like the the most uh, is, is Stanford. I, I just I like what I've seen from them the last three weeks. I mean they've all been on the road. They won three straight games. And and I, I guess a comment that that's sticking in my back of my head this week was DTR Dorian Thompson Robinson, the the quarterback for UCLA was, you know, you could tell he was very bummed about what happened last week at the USC game. So I'm not sure, you know, how UCLA picks themselves up off the mat after a to the wire 60 minute game that, that meant everything to them. So I I do from a power ratings aspect, I, I do lean with Stanford.
0: Yeah, both of us, we talked about that before the start of the show here, both of us with that game, UCLA minus three and a half. So a little bit of a power ratings overlay uh, as well as I like what you said there about UCLA. They put a ton into that game last week. They were the better team last week. Excuse me. Still fought a way not to win it. So, you know, I I think that maybe you do look at Stanford here. I kind of like Oregon State as well against Arizona State. Uh, Arizona effectively minus 11 in turnover margin last week. Seven actual turnovers. Lost it on fourth down four times. A uh, complete quit out of that team. Kevin, someone yep. gone. You and I talked about that on last week's show. Kind of like Oregon State here a little bit. I just think that that price is, is just a little bit inflated. With a Beavers team that, look, they're not great, but they do play hard. And I think Jonathan Smith has that program going in the right direction.
1: I agree. I think you're paying a premium on ASU this week. And, you know, how many times does... Uh, you know, a team cover the point spread by 50 or more. It's only happened 48 times in 40 years. So it was kind of a, a once a year type of event last week, Arizona State uh, covering by that big of a margin. And you, you look at turnovers, I mean, how many times are you plus seven? I think I look back 15 years and it's only happened 12 times a team was plus seven in turnovers. And then obviously that's I'm counting, like you mentioned, the, the, those fourth down stops. So yeah, I don't mind fading a team off historical outliers like that.
0: Three regular season games in the SEC, Texas A&M laying 14, total 51 against Tennessee. Old Miss, now a two and a half point favorite with a total that's skyrocketing to 78 and a half against LSU. Then lastly, Missouri, a short favorite on the road in Stark Vegas against Mississippi State, total 49 there. Anything on those three games that uh, piques your interest?
1: had a little bit of power ratings overlay of what say Tennessee's the play and also LSU, but it wasn't enough for me to even bet it, even on the circa openers or whatnot, or even at, at any point this week. So uh, I know it's SEC football, and I know a lot of people uh, it will be interested to see how many are watching it with the other championship games going on uh, opposing it. But uh, I, uh, some of these, I mean, your guess is as good as mine, Who who's going to want to show up and finish the season strong. Yeah, I definitely agree.
0: We don't have to worry about motivation in any of these conference championship games here on Saturday. We'll go by rotation number, as we always do, beginning with 229-230, Northwestern Ohio State. Ohio State laying anywhere from 20 to 21, depending on what the book needs. Totals come down a little bit in this game to 57. Neutral side, of course, in Indianapolis. So, Brad, what do you think here about the Buckeyes laying effectively
1: three touchdowns? Uh, you know, what? I, I don't agree with it. I lean Northwestern a little bit. I'm hoping to maybe see a 21. That'll be my buy price on the Wildcats. I think Ohio state's being priced like, a, you know, a, a really, you know, almost comparable to last year's team. Uh, I mean, last year's team should be favored by like a three touchdown spot over this year's Northwestern team. I, th- this year's team just li- leaves a lot to be desired as far as I'm concerned. And the, and the fact that that they, I mean, how could they get in a rhythm the, the last you know few weeks? I mean, they, they basically played Michigan State, very impressive performance. Uh, they dominate Ohio State dominates a Michigan State team that the week prior beat Northwestern. But uh, I think it's tough to get margin on Northwestern. Uh, they're only allowing 15 points per game. I know they haven't faced an Ohio State offense, but uh, I you know maybe it's because all, the, there's this narrative that oh Ohio State needs style points. I don't think so. They win the game. They're in the playoff, as far as I'm concerned. So. And maybe that's why there's a little bit of an overlay. I got the, you know, pure power rating for me is 18 and a half.
0: Yeah. I got this one 19 and a half. So you and I in the same range, the only thing I think that could hurt Ohio state potentially is if they win by like seven and it's really ugly or, or something like, I don't even know if it necessarily matters at that point. The one thing that I thought was really interesting was the total on this game being in that 59 range. The implication being that Northwestern can score on Ohio State, and and I don't know about that. I know Ohio State's defense has plenty of issues. Most of them have been against the pass, and Peyton Ramsey's had what multiple games under 100 passing yards, at least yeah. under 150 passing yards. So Northwestern's going to have to run it on Ohio State, and the reason why I would lean Northwestern is simply because I think if you're Northwestern, you do anything you can to try and keep the ball away from Ohio State, and if it works. I don't necessarily know. Maybe it's a live betting opportunity, but I think Northwestern has to run the rock. They ran it for over 400 yards against Illinois last week. They won't do that to Ohio State, but if they can get 175, 200, something like that, that's how they stay within this number. I don't know if it happens. Probably not going to bet anything in this game, but I also think too that one of the reasons why Ohio State is a favorite of this magnitude is that Northwestern's best wins this year have just been really watered down of late. You know, I mean, just, you look at the big 10 West in general, and it's been such a disappointing division. And I know there's been COVID and all of that, but you know, Northwestern just almost by default finds their way into this game by simply not being as bad as everybody else was. So I think that's kind
1: of reflected in this number too. Yeah. I'm with the exception being a road win at Iowa. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Wisconsin's not as good. Purdue fell off the face of the earth. I mean, Minnesota's hit or miss. Nebraska's disappointing again. I hear you. Uh, right. Yep.
0: I, I don't – it's just – there's not a lot of betting equity in that game. And I know that people are going to play it because it's one of the early games, but yep. I just don't think there's a ton there's of betting equity. There's not a lot of betting there.
1: equity, period, this week. I mean, it was a no. whole home week. I made 12 bets at circuit, but it's not like I'm jumping up and down. Oh, I got great value. I mean, I I have beat the number in all 12 bets. But, I mean, it's by like a point and a half or a point, point and a half on each game, so it's nothing like I'm, I'm doing jumping jacks about.
0: No, I think all these conference championship games have been lined really well, for the most part, I would say, side and, and total, too. We go to the Big 12 championship game here, 231-232, Oklahoma and Iowa State. And I, I would say probably of the Power 5 championship games, this one's easily the most interesting because you've got – an Iowa State team that plays very well against Oklahoma, plays very well as a dog under Matt Campbell. And they're in that dog role here with Oklahoma, five and a half point favorite, and a total that's actually gone back up a little bit now, I believe, uh, into the 58
1: range. Yeah, I, I, I do from a competitive aspect, too. I mean, when you look at, the, you know, obviously Pac 12 title games at three point spread, but at least on the games on Saturday. It, it, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I get the whole Iowa State love and the fact that they've had Matt Campbell's had success against Oklahoma. I just like Oklahoma in the spot. Their experience in this Big Twelve championship game. Uh, I know Iowa State's going to feel you know, a little bit slighted, but Oklahoma's not the same team that lost to Iowa State earlier this year. Spencer Rattler's got more experience. They got a couple of key players back that were still suspended uh, at, during that time at that game. So. I lean Oklahoma again. It's not a, a strong big time bet for me, but uh, I, I do like Oklahoma on a bounce back spot here to get some revenge.
0: Yeah, I got this one line seven. So, you know, this is one of the games I, I'm off. I think a point and a half or so on most of the, uh, of the power five games. This is one where I would think about playing it in the sense that Oklahoma is a different team. As you said, defensively, they've been much better in the second half of the year. What I'm looking at is the total. I kind of think that this is an under type of game. I know there were 67 points in the first meeting between these two. Earlier this year, there was the 42-41 to game, this and that. But, you know, I I just sort of look at this one, and I think really in the second half of the year here, both of these defenses have been extremely effective. And I, I think this is a game, you know, where we see a lot of movement between the 20s and, you know, probably not a whole lot of red zone success.
1: I can see that. I know it's tough from a historical perspective betting a lot of big 12 unders, but yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's defense is the best they've had in several years there. And, you know, Iowa state, their game plan is going to be, to you know, obviously that saw left and right. So yeah, I, I I certainly can, can see your side of things there.
0: All right. The next one here, group of five, and this could possibly be the most dramatic, I think of the conference championship games here, just in terms of looking at these two teams, what the first meeting was like, and of course, the spread here with Louisiana and Coastal Carolina, 233-234 on the board. Coastal three-point favorite now, but overnight, or maybe this happened late last night and I just didn't catch on to it, but overnight into this morning, Louisiana taking some money here, total 55, but I think the fact that we're starting to see you know a, a two and a half pop out there in the global market suggests that somebody with some influence likes Louisiana
1: here now that limits have been increased. I think it's the right side. I'm not saying I had anything to do with it, but I did release, uh, Louisiana last night, uh, as my top play of the week. So I don't know. Sometimes I move markets early in the weeks. I don't know if it's, I can do that on a conference championship game, but it it did start moving after my release. That's all I was. That's all I'll say on that before people get, get on me. You don't move plays. You don't move markets. Uh, yeah, I, I I like Louisiana here, and here's why. I This is the second week in a row. I think it's a bad spot for Coastal. Uh, last week, I just had to play Troy against them because I thought it was the ultimate sandwich spot off the biggest win in school history for Coastal Carolina with the, the Sun Belt Championship game on deck. And, hell, they almost lost the game outright, so – uh, that one played to, to exactly my thought process there. And here's why I think it's another bad spot for them. They just got done playing two 60-minute, to the wire, to the final second type of games against BYU and, and, and Troy the last two weeks. Meanwhile, what's Louisiana been doing? They beat UL Monroe by 50 and were off last week. Uh, Coastal had one of their key offensive linemen get hurt. And, and Jamie Chadwell brought it up basically at a point where Uh, He he said it it's their left tackle, their their pass protector. Uh, Chadwell said to the Sunbelt commissioner, real thank you, Commish, for that. I mean, he was so against playing last week. I I like that Louisiana's got Sunbelt championship game experience. They've lost the last two. That's probably not sitting well with them right now. So, yeah, I I think Louisiana wins the game. So, I, I like Louisiana quite a bit.
0: Well, and, of course, too, you think back to the first meeting between the two teams. Louisiana was at home. Game was in Lafayette but they were a nine point favorite in that yep. game and they won that box score. the problem was coastal had the ball for 38 minutes or something like that in the game, but Louisiana had seven and a half yards per play to 5.75 for coastal, which held them of course below their season average. So, you know, they just couldn't get off the field. And one thing I mentioned on yesterday's show, and I think this is a really important point to make. And again, I don't know if Louisiana wins this game or not, but, One of the things that struck me very early on about Coastal during this magnificent run that they've had, Chadwell confuses the defense. They use a ton of pre-snap motion. They get guys moving around. They get guys kind of looking around, wondering who they're supposed to cover, who they're supposed to pick up. And that has really helped Coastal in a lot of their games here so far this season. Louisiana has seen it. They already know what to expect, they're going to have much better idea of what to do in terms of picking up those motion guys and all of that. Napier's obviously a great head coach. He's you know probably going to wind up with a power five or a better group of five job after this game. And I'm glad Chadwell's sticking around. That's awesome. Good for the Coastal program. But I think the fact that Napier's seen it, the fact that Coastal's played those two games, as you mentioned, and again, last week, Troy didn't have the ball long, but when they did, they ran 81 offensive plays. It's got to be Louisiana here. And now that the three and a half is gone, I still think there's value on plus three. And I think it, you know, adds even more
1: credence to sprinkling the money line. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously when, when I did give it out, it was three and a half and like you know, I'm going to be happy uh, for people that bet it, uh, even if it fell three, but yeah, at this point now, I, I certainly, I, I think you split it up uh, probably, you know, 60, 40 type of thing. Cause I, I think you brought up a really good point that I wasn't even thinking of. Seeing Coastal's unique kind of style of offense a second time around has to be an advantage more for Louisiana. In fact, I mean, the fact that they've known that they're going to play them, they could spend two weeks on it. So, yeah, that's uh, another reason why I think th- this will be the upset, uh, at least of conference championship Saturday.
0: Yeah, And I'll say this, man, if Coastal does win this game, I mean, damn. You know, I mean, it's one of those
1: things we're coming off. I hope they put them in a major bowl game. I don't care if Cincinnati gets in there as well. Put them both in for Pete's sake. Who cares?
0: I agree. I mean, if if they win this game, this might be the singular coaching job of the year on a Chadwell, especially as you mentioned, losing their left tackle. I mean, it's a significant loss for them. Again, with the offense, they want to run ball control, all that kind of thing. Um, Very interesting game, interesting handicap. I think you and I are on the right side with Louisiana, but if Coastal does win it, I mean, it, it's literally one of those tip your cap kinds of things yep. uh, for the chance to clears. Next one on the board, 235-236, Clemson-Notre Dame. Clemson laying 10.5, total 60. We saw some early movement on Clemson, uh, you know, Monday morning, basically. We haven't seen much of anything since then. So what do you think here about the Tigers laying doubles in Charlotte for the ACC championship?
1: Ah, the numbers, right? I mean, I even last week people are asking me what's your, you know, early championship game numbers. And I tweeted them out and I tweeted Clemson 10 and a half. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't have a bet, right. I have a strong opinion. I mean, if, it, if you gave me 20 bucks and, and said, which way I think it's going to go, I, I do think it goes Clemson's way. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised to win by a couple of touchdowns. I just, I think it always benefits the, the loser, especially a Clemson team that isn't used to losing the, the rematch. Here, I mean, obviously Lawrence back. I don't think that makes as much of a difference as the fact that, you know, Clemson's going to have a couple of key defensive players back, including Skalski, the, the middle linebacker. Uh, Clemson's really tough to beat in postseason. ACC championship game, bowl games, playoffs, championship game, national championship games. I mean, you go back to 2012, they're 14-3 against the spread in these games, covering by 11 points per game. Yeah. I lean Clemson just uh, w- wish it would cut uh, what it came like nine, nine and a half. I uh, would have had a, a, you know, a decent bet on them. So not putting the cart before the horse here at all, but I mean, let's
0: be honest. Notre Dame's a 10 and a half point dog in this rematch. Clemson should win the game. If yep. Clemson wins, is Notre Dame still a playoff team?
1: Yeah, they probably are. I wish they – as a Notre Dame fan, I wish they wouldn't because here's Cause what's going to happen. they're going to play Alabama. They're going to play Alabama. And then, I mean, here's what – I mean, it's been a – I'm Mr. Negativity on Notre Dame. I just am. But, you know, it's been a really good season. They have far overachieved even my expectations, and you got to tip your cap to anybody that's performed as well as they have in this COVID season. When a lot of teams, I'm looking at Michigan and some other teams, that that it was clear that the culture of the program's not very strong, and it was clear they really didn't want to play football this year. I I feel very damn proud of my Notre Dame team uh, that that they did as well as they did. Now, the problem is they're going to get their teeth kicked down their throat the next two games, and everybody is going to be chicken little woe is me sky is falling after Clemson crushes them and Alabama does and we're right back to square one and with all that negativity around them so all right I'm, I'm off that rant no it's fine it's, it's exactly you know what was it
0: you'll know the date better than me when Ohio State played Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl and you know to me it was one of those things where I was like I want Ohio State in the playoff But I don't want Ohio State going and playing Alabama in the playoff. Go win your bowl game over some, you know, name opponent and get a little bit of momentum going into the next season where you can hang your head on saying, hey, we won our last game of the year because if they had played Alabama,
1: they would have gotten rocked. No, in 2015, no way. I thought Ohio State was the most talented team. I thought they were the best team in the country. Okay. 2015, I w- I'm telling you, I would have bet Ohio State in that game. I mean, that was the t- the, the defending champ. I mean, what, when they turned it on against Michigan and Notre Dame, that was the best team in the country. And that was the only time they really turned it on all year. All right. Well, I don't know. Maybe I mean, they had like age. 10 guys. Yeah, they had like 10 guys going to the top like 100 picks, man. That team was talented.
0: Well, I, I guess the point I'm making is, you know, in a case like this with Notre Dame, I
1: mean – Oh yeah. I don't want to play Alabama. Here's the thing. People are going to be like, I mean, cause they always bring up the championship game from eight years ago. Notre Dame didn't belong. The reality is Notre Dame is going to be a significantly bigger underdog in this year's game than they were in that game. So when they get beat by three touchdowns, I mean, people are just going to be like, Oh, they haven't gotten any better over the last eight years. When the reality is that they have, this is the best Notre Dame team in quite some time. It's just Alabama's historically great. And, they kudos, they already beat Clemson, but I to do it, to have to do it twice, ugh, I just, ugh, I'm not happy right now as an Notre Dame fan, just with the schedule. I mean, it was so much, not, it's so much tougher to win a title now because now you can't get that fluky win. Like, the 2002 Buckeyes, I don't think they'd win the national championship because, okay, you beat Miami, then you got to turn around and play like an Alabama or somebody the next week. It's just, you can do anything once, uh, a fluke game, but to do it, you know, I have to be two or three of those types of teams. It's just so tough to win it.
0: No, it absolutely is. I think that's an excellent point. And uh, you know, Hey, we'll see what happens here with Notre Dame. If they can do the deed twice and beat Clemson for a second time here next on the board is Tulsa and Cincinnati and starting to see a little bit of movement going up on this game, 14 and a half now showing up once again, total in the 45 and a half range. This one opened a little bit higher. Tulsa took some initial money, probably just a correlated play with the total coming down and a big underdog. But now we're seeing some Cincinnati money again. Now that limits have gone back up.
1: Yeah. I bet Tulsa. I just, I, I think it's going to be tough for Cincinnati to get more. I know they've gotten margin on almost everybody, but I I just playing one, you know, basically not playing last three weeks. kind of throwing them off the schedule a little bit. Tulsa, it's not like Tulsa's played a bunch, but one thing that caught my eye when I was handicapping the game is, you know, Tulsa's played some high-powered offenses like Oklahoma State, UCF, SMU. They've held all of them to 26 points or fewer. So, I mean, it's tough. It's going to be tough to get margin. For Cincinnati on a Tulsa defense that's only given up 20 points per game especially Cincinnati could be a little rusty yeah I, I do like Tulsa here anything north of, you, you got to get me north of two touchdowns though 14 and a half or above Tulsa's the play for me
0: the only thing that it would kind of caution me about this game is it, it's not like Cincinnati has any ability to get into the playoff unless like 27 different things happen but Luke Fickles had no problem running it up when he has the yeah. opportunity. The question is, does he get the opportunity here against Tulsa? And, uh, you know, I think Tulsa is a pretty well-coached team, but you wonder if this game is like 17 nothing at halftime, something like that. Maybe Cincinnati scores to make it 24 nothing. How much is in the tank for Tulsa? You know, I guess that's sort of the question I'm looking at. But, again, you know, with a spread, with a, a high spread and a low total here, I, I can't say anything negative about anybody looking to take Tulsa because it just makes sense from a correlated standpoint.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, what's Cincinnati's frame of mind? We don't have a chance now, or is it, you know, they're pretty, you know, ticked off uh, about dropping in the polls, even though they haven't played a game. So as always this time of year, there are no perfect handicaps. Uh, I mean, I mentioned the one, if I was going to make one bet, it'd be Louisiana this week. And to to be quite frank, I mean, that that might be, you know, in, in normal weeks, Uh, if you put these games up against, you know, uh, a regular card, that might be the only type of play that I'd put out. So uh, you're not going to get a a lot of high value picks this time of year. And I can always punch holes in just about any handicap.
0: Tons of talent on the field here for game 239, 240 between Alabama and Florida. But from a betting standpoint, we can probably make this one pretty short and sweet, to be totally honest with you. Alabama's laying 17 total in the 74 range.
1: I mean, you you really can't bet against Alabama, right? Yeah, it's I it's Alabama or nothing. I mean, seven straight covers for them by fourteen points per game, and here's the thing: they're not they're not putting the foot on the gas pedal in these games. I mean, they're, they're taking the foot off the gas pedal after the first half. So that I mean, I I said this on an earlier show I did today. I mean if Alabama finishes this up say they they win and cover against Florida and do the same in the two playoff games I mean in my own personal power rankings I've had Alabama uh, I would have Alabama as the best team ever so um, that, that's where they're at I uh, I will be absolutely stunned if they don't win the national championship at this point
0: Yeah oh me too and and I mean look you know I, I don't know how many points Florida scores on Alabama I I really don't know but it damn well better be a lot of them because I don't know how many stops Florida gets in this game. I mean, we were kind of talking about yesterday's show, like, what do you set Alabama over under punts at like one and a half?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's fair.
0: I, I don't know how often Florida gets off the field here. So maybe there's, you know, kind of a correlation that maybe you kind of like the over thing. Alabama just sort of takes the second half off, but you know, I tried that last week with Arkansas and it, it didn't really work. I mean, Florida's obviously a much better team than Arkansas, but I just again I mean some some games just don't lend themselves to betting opportunities. Maybe something pops up live in this game. But before the game, I I can't see any way to really bet this unless you lay the heavy number
1: with Alabama. Yeah, I, I laid 12 last week. Does it them. go up? Yeah, I, it might go, who's betting Florida? I don't, I mean, there, there can't be a lot of pros lining up to bet Florida. I mean, obviously the public side is probably going to be Bama, and I, I don't see much pushback from, from from a lot of pros, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I, if I had to guess, it'd go up.
0: 12 was a nice grab. Good for you. That that, that was an excellent number to get. I, th- I think that that's one. I know you've had some CLV kind of blow up in your face a little bit at times this season or games that wind up getting canceled. I think Alabama minus 12 is going to look pretty good. Hopefully uh, I don't
1: jinx you with that one though. I'm in good shape. And I've been, a, you know, I just bitch piss and moan. I mean, I am 60% on betting those openers. I just feel like I should be 70%. I mean, you probably would have been without games that were canceled due to COVID, especially some <laughs> of the total shit. You had some totals yeah. where you had double C L V. T- yeah. I had two touchdowns. So I don't <laughs> even feel lucky. So I, I feel like I can, I can replicate this. Uh, so, I mean, I do. So but I'll be talking about it prior to next season. All my eggs are going into hopefully, you know, everything's going well and they still do what they do. But uh, let's just say, you know, a, a big chunk of my salary is going to be on betting Circa openers next year.
0: No, it sounds good to me. One more conference championship game to talk about this one in your backyard. at Sam Boyd, Boise state, San Jose state, Boise state laying six and a half painted across the market. Total 55 and a half or 56 has gone up a little bit, which I think is pretty interesting here. Uh, what do you think about this one, Boise or San Jose State?
1: You know, I was thinking I was going to like Boise State in it just because they've been there, done that. They've been the premier program, San Jose State, first time experience. And then I started diving in the numbers. And, man, San Jose State, uh, to be catching a touchdown, when when statistically speaking, they've been the far superior team. I know it helps San Jose State, the fact they didn't play BYU like Boise did. But, uh, just a lean on Boise state. I thought I was going to have a, you know, th- before diving into it, I thought I was going to have, a, you know, a pretty strong take on the Broncos, but uh, right now it's just a lean. I think it's interesting. This total going up a little bit when San Jose state's defense has been really strong this year. And I know that the
0: mountain West is not spectacular offensively and, and really just kind of a bad conference overall this year, but for this San Jose state team to, to sort of be in this spot. And I talked about this in yesterday's show, like, It sounds really amateurish, I think, to say, but like there's something about San Jose State that just feels like this is supposed to happen for them. I I don't Mm. I can't explain it any other way other than that. And, you know, in today's day and age, with all the data that's available to us, all the analytics, all the different metrics that are out there, all of that, you can have a very comprehensive, quantitative handicap and. Like I said, it feels amateurish to say, but just there's a certain level of intuition for me that just says, San Jose State's going to do this thing. And, and also for Boise State, I mean, great job by Brian Harson, really not knowing who his quarterback's going to be week in and week out. But I don't know if we really have that great of a Boise State team this year. I think it's just really hard to know that based on how their season's kind of played out. So I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I feel like San Jose State's the right side, but I can't really make the strongest of cases for it.
1: Fair enough. I think you take seven if it pops, oh, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, this is go. what I'm
0: I'm sitting and waiting. Now, my number's five and a half here. So I, at six and a half, I kind of have a lean towards San Jose State anyway. But All seeing right. that maybe a seven can show up and there are some six and halves with juice. Yeah, even if I gotta take seven one twenty or seven one fifteen, I think
1: that's a, a pretty good buy point there. There you go. And and I don't know I know if- a couple of sharp guys that that took some seven minus one twenty already. So yeah, I'm not opposed to it. I don't know if this matters at all, but I mean, San Jose State's, they've kind of adopted Vegas
0: as their home now, too. I don't know if there's a comfort factor there or not. I mean, Boise's obviously there
1: all the time, and they've played the Las yeah. Vegas
0: Bowl there and, you know, all that kind of thing. But it didn't,
1: it didn't factor into mine. What does factor in, I'm, a, I wish I could sneak into the stadium and continue my, I've seen a football game every year since 1989 streak that's going to about to be broken here in the next two weeks.
0: Go to the, uh, Go to Arlington for the big 12 championship game. Just make a late call. Just yeah, there you go. Spend some of that circa money uh, going down to that game. And I'm sure that will be a, a pretty pro Oklahoma crowd. Something we didn't even talk about though. Uh, but uh, let's transition over to the NFL side of things here. want to make sure we get some time on those games. Another game in your backyard here, Chargers and Raiders three with juice 52 and a half. Now the total seeing some under money, oddly enough, coming in on this
1: <laughs> game now here on game day.
0: Uh, Any any position for Brad Powers on this Thursday nighter?
1: Nah, I mean if ham sandwich on the over. Be interested. I mean the Raiders are banged up on defense. New defensive coordinator. I mean it seems so obvious, but sometimes hey, obvious wins. So I I'll have a you know ham sandwich on the over tonight.
0: Are we talking like? good honey baked ham or are we talking like no you know, not a honey ham baked. that's
1: like three ninety nine yeah, a pound yeah. at the grocery store yeah we're talking about lunch meat not that honey baked you know $100 ham type stuff it's good stuff though man with the holidays it is good up, it is good, 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 good i like it i've had i i'll tell you what back in wait we're talking nowadays myself but you know 20 years ago when i worked in a grocery store we had a honey bat honey baked ham little like kiosk thing i'll tell you man it was It was tough avoiding the samples. Let's just put it that way.
0: Yeah, it's some good stuff. So uh, when you say ham sandwich, you're clearly not talking honey-baked ham. So it's (laughs) an an important important distinction for our listeners here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we look at Saturday's games here, and uh, the late game is the first one on the board by rotation number, 343-344, Carolina and Green Bay. Seen a little bit of love for Carolina here. This one's down to as low as eight out there in the global markets, eight and a half, the predominant number 51 and a half The total as this one's gone up a little bit. Uh, it's expected to be cold at Lambeau field, which is not surprising, but doesn't seem like wind or precipitation will be a factor. Uh, any thoughts on that game from you?
1: Uh, the only thing that's bettable for me, I would tease green Bay down to two and a half, just your classic six point teaser through key numbers of seven and three. That would be, my only opinion there. What's your partner game on the teaser then? Uh New England up to eight and a half against Miami.
0: Okay. Or
1: and you... what what it was? It's not eight and a half now. I think you can do what seven and a half now. But that that was yeah. Uh, it's still. I mean, it's still good at seven and a half. But yeah, that that's my preference. So that's my teaser of the week if you want one.
0: I think I would rather take Indianapolis minus seven if you can find one. But Indy tees down to one and a half. Is is that a consideration or not? Yeah,
1: that would be one not yeah it wasn't like you know when I was looking at it yesterday I mean they were seven now that they're up to seven and a half yeah I would I, I would lean that way
0: yeah I, I think you know you rather just take the minus seven if you get a decently juiced one but to tease them down get them away from seven and a half to one and a half I think that's yeah. something that makes a little bit of sense there in that one what about 345 346 Buffalo and Denver really interesting spot for Buffalo here New England's on deck you know they've had some some bigger games here of late. The primetime game against Pittsburgh, of course. Now they're going to altitude.
1: Uh, is is this going to be one of those situational looks for you? Taking a look at the home dog Denver. It is situational. I mean, I don't think people are realizing it's you know that, how bad of it is for Buffalo. I mean, third game in twelve days, traveling off a big time win, probably one of their biggest wins as far as the franchise goes in, in twenty years. Last Sunday night against the Steelers. Uh, and Denver, I know the record doesn't look great, but, I mean, they've been an underdog in every single game this year. Uh, so I, every game this year, Denver's been a dog. They've covered eight. They've won five. They're playing their best ball of the season. They had an upset win over Miami, a cover against Kansas City, upset against Carolina. And in the mix is, a, a you know, a, a dumpster fire performance against New Orleans when they didn't have any of their quarterbacks. So uh, I added up for me, my favorite play of the week is the Broncos. Oh, favorite play of the week. Interesting. You know, that's the
0: thing. And and this is this is what makes the NFL market really challenging is that Buffalo is vastly superior. And there are a lot of people saying Buffalo might be the second best team in the AFC right now. And I yeah, I would agree with that. I agree with that, too. Now that their defense is healthy, I think that they are the second best team in the AFC. And yet you have some equalizing factors here with Denver with the fact that Buffalo's got New England on deck and we all know what that game means to them third game in 12 days as you said playing at altitude Denver coming off of a pretty good performance last week against Carolina all things considered where Drew Locke you know took some shots downfield had some success with that again Buffalo's defense is a lot better than Carolina's but that's the question here that we have. And, and that's why the point spread and some of these spots are such great equalizers is I think a lot of people are just going to assume, Oh, Buffalo's on one right now. They're on a heater. They're the team. I can't go against them, but there are some legitimate situational concerns for Denver here. And this is kind of about, you know, how we're all trying to get to the same goal. We just all have different ways of going about it. We all want to win bets, but we all look at games and handicap them differently and, that's just it here. You know, if you look at this one purely from a metric standpoint, statistical standpoint, and recent form standpoint, it's Buffalo. If you look at all the situational factors, you make a strong case for Denver. So I don't know if I'm going to have any play in this game at all, but, uh, you know, it's
1: interesting to really hear both sides of the argument. I think Buffalo is not cheap after five straight covers. It'll be interesting to see where it goes on game day. I, I know there was some money that, that showed on Denver yesterday. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I know the public's going to want to lay it with Buffalo. So it, we'll we'll see. I, w- I would say wait a little bit on this one. Uh, if you're looking for, for Denver, I, I don't see it getting better, uh, you know, dropping below six, at least at this point. Yeah. And again, uh,
0: weather doesn't appear to be a factor. So that's, you know, always a consideration in Denver and always a consideration in all of these games here. Uh, now that we're getting into the latter half of the month of December, as we bounce through the Sunday card here, Houston and Indy. I mentioned to you before the show that, uh, you know, point and a half out of the money in the circa, and there's not a whole lot. I like this week to a degree. I'm kind of entertaining Indianapolis simply because they're really playing well here over the last few weeks and Houston complete no show last week against Chicago. Maybe we should have saw that coming, coming off the uh, heartbreaking loss to Indianapolis, but is it a sign that Houston is just kind of done for the year
1: or was that just, you know, sort of a perfect storm situation for them last week? Mm, good question. Uh, don't have the answer. Uh, I think it's a good in-game live betting opportunity. I think it'll show immediately if Houston's with an interim has waved the white flag. One thing that I will point out to you uh, is, you know, I saw this trend a couple of weeks ago, division rivals, when they meet twice, In a three-week span, the team that lost the first meeting is 19-5 and against the spread the second go-around. So that's my hang-up on this one.
0: And that would apply to Houston here. And I was on Indy a couple weeks ago in that game, and I got very, very fortunate with that fumble uh, basically at the goal line for Houston where Indianapolis not only would not have lost the cover but also would have lost the game outright. So, you know, we'll see what happens here in this one for them. The Rams laying 17-and-a-half against the New York jets with a total of 43 and a half. This is a very rare situation in the NFL with a spread of this magnitude and the low total. And, uh, I mean, can you bet the jets here, Brad?
1: No, I can't. I mean, I just want to point out 17 point or more favorites in the NFL used. To, I mean, for 20 years, they were a long time loser. They were, uh, six and 20 against the spread. But that's turned. NFL's not the same as what it was in the, in the nineties and the two thousands. Last eight years, nine and two against the spread, seventeen or more point favorites. So, uh, I you know, I everyone that says you can't lay points in the NFL, you know, big numbers in the NFL anymore that that line of thinking is long gone. I mean, I laid it last week against the Jets, but I'm not sure I want to do it this week. I are they going to get crushed? You know, a couple weeks in a row to the Tuna, you know, forty to three. I don't see that, but. Then again, I, I I I don't know. Maybe maybe they have given up. Uh, maybe the 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 Raiders game uh, that that was the, the the nail in the coffin for them. Even given uh, you know effort the rest of the season, no bet.
0: But the only question that
1: I have, and I do think that the Rams can cover this
0: number, and I think there's a good chance that they do. But they wow. play at they play at Seattle next week, and then they play Arizona on Week 17, and you wonder here you know, what, what do they look like in the second half? I mean, do they have to be covering this number by halftime in order to cover the spread? You know, do they just play running clock, take virtually everybody who's remotely banged up out of the game? You know, I mean, are they looking more long-term here? And that's the thing. If the Rams weren't playing anybody next week, I would seriously entertain the idea of laying the 17, 17 and a half here, but they're playing Seattle on the road next week. So if they get up big, I mean, this is running clock. Get the hell out of there. Do the Jets care enough, show enough pride in the second half to put up any points? I don't know. That's, that's kind of the question for me is I feel like the Rams cannot try very hard and get, you know, 24, 28 points, something like that. Is that enough for them in this game? It very well could
1: be. And on top of that, I, I believe, not 100%, but I think the Jets uh, flew back and forth. And this one, instead of staying out on the West coast. So uh, that, that's not ideal back-to-back West coast trips for them.
0: No, definitely not. A couple of games that are a lot more interesting from a handicapping standpoint, I think Tampa Bay, Atlanta, this one's up to six total 49 with the Buccaneers laying the road number in hot Atlanta where the players allegedly play. What do you think about this one here where, you know, Tampa Bay opened lower than this and money immediately showed on the box.
1: Yeah. I lean Atlanta two quick things. Look ahead line. This is the biggest disparity of the week. Look ahead line was Tampa Bay minus one and a half, and I don't get the the major upgrade on them, especially the second part. Tampa Bay, yeah, they won and covered against uh, Minnesota, but Minnesota had a significant first down edge, had the yardage edge. Obviously, it was kicker issues for Minnesota, so I I don't get the the big you know four and a half point move from last week's look ahead line. I lean with the Falcons.
0: There's a couple of interesting things about this game that you know, I, I'm starting to think about it as I'm kind of processing the card here, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Atlanta, you know, this game was lined much lower on the look ahead and Atlanta lost to the Chargers and any loss right now to a bad team will be overplayed in the marketplace. And when you lose to Anthony Lynn, that's also not a very good look. So that's being held against Atlanta here in this spot. The second thing is to say that, you know, for Atlanta here, They did not play well in either one of their games against New Orleans. And I sort of feel like, you know, with an interim coach and Raheem Morris, they've played very hard for with a team that, you know, is generally better than what they've played so far this year. There's a high degree of pride on this roster. I think if they have the chance to try and play spoiler with Tampa Bay and sort of make amends for what they didn't do with the Saints, I think they'd be very happy to do that. I'm starting to come around on taking Atlanta here at, at the plus six.
1: You're not going to get any disagreement from me, man. Uh, this would be in my mix if I had, uh, you know, if I was in the, mo- you know, close to the money like you are in the circuit.
0: And again, I mean, there were questions about Tampa Bay. And, you know, I was on Tampa Bay last week. There were a lot of questions about them before the buy. I faded them in the Rams and the Chiefs games before the buy. Thought the buy would help them. Maybe to a degree it did. They won and covered last week. But as you mentioned already, it wasn't as pretty as the 26-14 result no. would suggest. So maybe they haven't fixed everything yet. Maybe Atlanta uh, is going to be one of those plays that I wind up being on here for this week. What about 353-354 New England and Miami? Uh, we've seen some New England money flash over the last couple of days. Miami won one-and-a-half point favorite, total
1: 41-and-a-half. Yeah, I'm just going to say I'm New England here. I mean, they got a little couple extra days to prep. It was an embarrassing loss against the Rams. Uh, obviously Belichick against a a young quarterback that's out there, although you're going to come over the top with, you know, Flores being a much better coach than Lynn. I agree in that report. Injury report for Miami's ugly, uh, especially at running back and wide receiver. I think New England wins the game. Uh, but if you don't agree with me, I think New England teasing them up to seven and a half makes a lot of sense.
0: This is one where early in the week, I did like Miami uh, for some of the reasons you outlined. You know, I think Flores will have a better idea of what Belichick's going to try to do to confuse his rookie quarterback. But Miami is already a team with red zone issues. And now I don't know who's catching the football for them this week. Their injury report, as you mentioned, very, very bad. Fortunately, we have some extra time to look at this before the Circa picks are due on Saturday at four. But man, I just... I don't know who's making plays for Miami in this game. And what we know about New England is they take something away. We never always know what it's going to be, but they take something away. And if Miami's already that watered down at the skill positions, whatever New England takes away is probably going to make their offense that much worse, and they've already had some issues with Tua. So I've kind of backed off of this one where I liked Miami early in the process, and now I'm not really looking to take anything in that game. Uh, You had some interesting thoughts, I thought, uh, when you and I were talking before the show in this Chicago and Minnesota game where Minnesota's three with extra juice or three and a half reduced, total 47 for this one. That Chicago performance last week seemed to kind of come out of nowhere against Houston. And for Minnesota, as you mentioned, they probably played a good amount better than what that final score against Tampa
1: would indicate. Yeah, I like Minnesota here. I mean, let's just compare lines. They were laying three a few weeks ago at Chicago dominated them. I know the scoreboard only said 19-13, but, I mean, they outgained uh, Chicago by 250 yards in that game. Uh, I know they failed to cover four straight, but a lot of it was, you know, big favorite roles against Jacksonville and Carolina and whatnot. Uh, I just think it's a relatively cheap number. I think it's overreaction to Chicago's blowout win. And, again, Minnesota could easily – Covered last week, if not, you know, made that super competitive against Tampa Bay, even though I thought it was a good spot for the, the Bucks in that one. So, add it up for me. Like give, give me Minnesota. I'll lay the three and the extra juice. And this is another one,
0: too, where I, I you know, we talk about looking for context clues in the market. Chicago's offense is bad. And, and this line indicates that, you know, I think it speaks to the fact that Chicago's defense is not as good as it was early in the year or as good as we expected it to be. And we know Minnesota can score some points. I think this total being at 47, being a little bit higher than kind of where I ballparked it to be in the 45, 45 and a half range. I think it sort of implies to me that Minnesota is the right side with the expectation that they have some offensive success here.
1: I didn't think of it that way, but you're you're right now. I'm thinking about Minnesota, Chicago, because that game earlier was 32
0: points. You said, I know weather was a
1: factor, but yeah, no, I didn't think of that.
0: And that was a total that was you know 44, and, and yep. I know it was out in the elements and and all of that, but you know for this one to be you know three points higher than what that first meeting was, when that first meeting was well below the scoring expectation, to me that kind of implies that Minnesota maybe the right side in that one. Uh, you and I talked about Browns Ravens last week and sort of talked about the Cleveland in both of us and how you know it's probably going to hold oh, us yeah. off of the Browns and. That was as quintessential Browns as you can get. They play really well offensively. The defense can't do anything. Lamar Jackson comes from the outhouse to the penthouse, gets that big fourth down play, then gets him into field goal range and all that. The Browns, they put a ton into that game, but they've said all the right things since. Now they go to the Meadowlands, take on the Giants, laying four and a half or five. Former Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens calling plays because Jason Garrett's got Rona. Uh, You've got Colt McCoy probably getting the start. Uh, I don't know, man. This feels like a twilight zone thing with the Browns where I just, they should win. They should be the right side. And I'm not going to be surprised if they somehow find a way to lose outright.
1: And I said it better myself. I I know it's a Sunday night game. People are going to want action on it. I just too many question marks for me. I, I agree. Cleveland should be the right, but how do they rebound? I mean, that was the game of the year. And now you're on, sh- you know, short travel week. I just, nah, no play I, for me. Yeah, I, I don't know. And,
0: and the thing of it is, the Giants had some really significant offensive line flaws exposed last week by Arizona. Yeah, you they did. You've got Garrett and you've got Vernon and the Browns get decent interior pressure up the middle. Maybe McCoy just doesn't have any time to throw here. Maybe, maybe despite the fact that the Browns defense is so god-awful and their offense has been really efficient, I don't know. I don't know if I could take the low under here, but something tells me this game's just kind of shitty and sloppy. I I, I don't know why, but I could see that. I, I could see that playing out. I Man, a hard game, hard card, quite frankly, hard game to handicap there in that Sunday night chase game. And the Monday night game sucks to high heaven. So nobody wants to play really Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. I guess we're going to talk about the the premier game, the marquee game here on Sunday, Kansas city, New Orleans, You surprised to see New Orleans money come in here so early in the week to drop this from four to three?
1: Um, No, I made it three. So I'm, I'm not. And it's not like, you know, my power ratings and my NFL lines are an end all like they, you know, they're not certainly not even close to being strong as they are in college, but you know, I made it three. So I'm not and a couple of the guys, uh, that I highly respect in the, in the NFL had had some early, uh, let's just say some early tickets on New Orleans. So, I'm not overly surprised with that. I mean, Kansas City, no, anybody that's been betting them hasn't been winning. I mean, that's they failed to cover five straight, uh, the, the, the Chiefs, uh, even though they've been winning games, they haven't been covering them. Uh, so I'm not overly surprised with it. I, what, I, what I'm anxious to see w- what happens when the public really gets involved here towards the weekend, or Where wh- who do they want in the matchup? I'm guessing they're going to want to lay a cheap number with the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to lay three with Patrick Mahomes. And, and man, yeah. I love this Saints team. And I've talked about this a lot that I think, I think this is a Super Bowl preview. And I don't know how New Orleans screws it up in the playoffs. They always have something bad that happens to them. But this defense is legit, especially when healthy. And you're going to have a well-rested Drew Brees back at some point. Now, it didn't help them last year, but maybe it helps them here a little bit more this year. I think a lot of people are going to simplify this handicap to simply say, do I lay three with Pat Mahomes against Taysom Hill? And I think a lot of people are going to say yes. So I think it is interesting that we have seen the early New Orleans money. And you mentioned a very good point to me, and this is something that we've kind of talked about a lot here. You mentioned this to me before the show that, like Kansas City seems bored with the regular season. Like they know they're going into the playoffs. They know they're the best team in the AFC. They know they can beat anybody. It's almost like, And I talked about this a lot with regards to the Cleveland Indians when they were clearly the best team in the Central Division. The 162-game regular season didn't mean a damn thing to them. It was just all about getting to the playoffs and seeing what happens in that short sample. Kansas City has this same sort of vibe where they just win because they can and win the box score because they can and for whatever reason don't cover a number. Maybe they do it again here this week. I don't know, but they have been remarkably frustrating to bet on this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, after I mean, early on they were, you know, they continued their success from last season. They they're covering point spreads left and right, but yeah, they just they they haven't put it all together. That's the fear if you're betting New Orleans if Kansas City has one of those games where they they, they put it completely together because I mean, certainly whether it's Drew Brees uh, who will be rusty, I'm I'm guessing they probably won't play him. Uh, I, I just can you trust Taysom Hill to go score for score with uh, Mahomes? No way. So. I I mean, honestly, I could only look to bet the Chiefs here. I've just, I've lost a a couple times betting on them here in recent weeks, and I'm just a little bit hesitant to to, to fire away here. Anything else on the NFL Week 15 card that we didn't hit on? No, I think uh, we hit on Denver would be my favorite play. All
0: right. And, of course, some teaser options out there on the board as well and. you know, we should see going forward some pretty good teaser options as well. I guess one thing I want to ask you about real quickly and then we'll finish up the show is this is something that Brian Blessing and I started talking about on on uh, Tuesday's show that really hadn't even crossed my mind as of yet, but we are getting to that point in time. So Seattle plays Washington in the one o'clock time slot on Sunday and the Giants, of course, play the Sunday night game against Cleveland. So the Giants will know if they can get back into first place based on whether or not Washington lost to Seattle. And there will be a lot of these games here as we go forward in terms of seating, being locked up, divisions being locked up, so on and so forth. How much does that factor into your thought process on Sundays where, you know, maybe the early game will have an impact on what could happen in the
1: later games. It's a great question. Uh, It really doesn't. And the NFL has done a really good job of avoiding that specifically in week 17, uh, in, in recent years, because I'm guessing in the nineties and stuff, people really took advantage of some of those opportunities with, with motivation being a question mark on some of the later games where, where now they schedule it. I mean, what is it? It's almost like you, you cannot find hardly any edges with that. And if you are, you're already paying a premium in the market. Nah, this early on in the season, I, I know it's not early, but we're three weeks you know, away from the playoffs. I'm not f- that's not coming to my thought process. Maybe it should, but it doesn't for me.
0: Well, I think it'd be interesting to see how it's treated in the betting markets because, you know, then all of a sudden we're going to see this must win inflation or, Hey, this team's got this opportunity. Yeah. And we talk about this all the time in, in college football, college basketball, so on and so forth. You know, like the teams in college football in a regular year that are five and six need a win to go to a bowl game. Oh, must win. They're going to win. Here comes this big effort. You know why teams get in a must win situations? Because they're not very good. And so when you talk about the bottom of the playoff picture here, I mean, these are effectively 500 teams to where why would you want to pay an inflated price on them simply because of what happened in another game? And if it's a spot where they're playing a team that's you know probably going to quit, something like that, OK, fine. Maybe they might run it up. You know, I think about Minnesota here, for example, Minnesota next week has to play on Christmas against New Orleans. And that's a game. If Minnesota wins this week, let's say that, you know, something weird happens and Philadelphia beats Arizona or whatever. Both of those teams are seven and seven. You know, Minnesota has got a massive game on Friday night that they're probably going to lose to a, to a superior saints team. What does that do to the line for Arizona next weekend? Or if Tampa Bay loses or something like that, you know, I think that the markets really dictate that from an emotional standpoint. And I really don't believe it's justified in most cases, because again, these are teams that I don't want to trust with a premium inflated price. Anyway, I'm
1: gonna said it better myself. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, the market will, will make you paying premiums, and I don't like paying premiums on mediocre teams. I guess it's not in my thought process this year. It would be because I would normally be coming off of a couple weeks. Uh, of that being in my thought process with you know bowl teams, you know, five and six teams in college football, needing a win in the final week to get a bowl, I, I guess it would be more in my thought process in a typical seasons where it really hasn't entered yet for me personally.
0: Professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from com. What's happening over at the website right now, brother?
1: Yeah, it's my newsletter. Uh, you can get the, the, the final, the conference championship week, and obviously we'll cover all, all the bowl games. Hopefully a lot of them get played. We'll see. And then obviously got three weeks left of the NFL and all the playoffs. And if you're interested in that newsletter, you can check it out at BradPowersports.com. You can download all past issues for free. You like what you see, you can sign up right now.
0: Well, make sure you follow Brad on Twitter as well at Brad Powers and the number seven. Brad, appreciate your time as always, buddy. Thank you so much for joining me. And we'll talk to you again next week on Christmas
1: Eve. All right. Sounds good. Take care, man.
0: There you go. There's professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from BradPowersports.com at Brad Powers and the number seven on twitter coming up on friday my circus sports million picks for week 15 40 29 and one on the season here point and a half out of the money thinking i gotta get 11 and 4 the rest of the way if i want to have a chance at making the cut here so uh hopefully we can make that the start of that push in week 15 i'll give you my picks my thoughts my leans and a lay of the land in the contest on tomorrow's show that'll do it for me thank you so much for listening everybody and i will talk to you again tomorrow